We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you're going to follow me on Twitter. And it's Thursday, March 24th. Yes, there's still basketball going on. And uh, we'll be looking at yesterday's slate, maybe take a little bit of look see at today's slate. Uh, obviously, uh, first off in the YouTube chat, come on, give me those thummy thumbs. Give me those thummy thumbs. Suki Singh didn't make it today, right? Typically, he's the first one in, right? So no Suki today, but you can give me those thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs to the side, subscribe buttons, notification bells, right? I had a good night last night. Give me a thumbs up for that. I had a good night last night. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about that. Okay, okay, Suki's in there. Okay, I missed him, but it wasn't, we wasn't the first, right? So there you go. In the, in the YouTube chat, what's up, guys? We got Joe Adamo here. And I have to, I have to point out, because he posted in Discord, that Joe, that, that he he took down the, the, the mini max, he came in third or something, whatever. The five cent contest, something like that. He he did, he had a really good night. I think he had the same exact lineup as me uh in that contest. And uh, and he did and he did well. So I have to I have to I have to congratulate him in the in the chat. Uh uh Neil Jaworski. Yeah, okay. I, I'm gonna answer this also. Uh <laughs> Uh, he says, I know Blender is rich now, but the real question is, when the hell is the next Theory of DFS podcast coming out? Today, okay? I, I guarantee you it's today. Me and Neil actually record on Mondays, and then I typically release on Tuesdays, right? Because I have to. It, it's like a 20-minute process, and sometimes I just don't feel like it on Mondays, so I just put it out on Tuesdays. And you know what happened? I just forgot I didn't do it, right? That, that's pretty much what happened, right? I didn't realize that until, until late, late yesterday. And I'm like, oh... Oh, oh, you're right. I didn't, I didn't do that yesterday. And then well, you know, I don't think about doing it on Wednesdays. So, uh, and it, and I took it off my to-do list. So it, it, it'll come out after this show. I'll, I will take care. Of it. So don't worry about it. Uh, Matthew says, good morning. Congratulations. Kick the head. Hello. 
Daniel Hutchins, congrats. I, I beat Nerdy Tenors, the supercomputer, yesterday. So there you go. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Oh, oh, Joe, you had a lineup that, that beat my score by one and a half. You, you, you had a lineup with Burks over Davion Mitchell, right? So like I'd call Anthony here and Davion Mitchell here and you had, you had Burks that line. Okay, so, so we would have beaten him by one and a half points, but you still won, right? You still would have won that. Con- you won. For the stakes that you're playing currently, you had a great night. So that's, that's really all that matters. You should, then you go from there and you build up your bankroll patiently, right? Don't think in terms of when can I, when can I, when can I start playing the large field, the higher, higher, higher stuff? I mean, not, not, not the, not the quarter arcade type of stuff. Uh, well, you should be able to beat the quarter arcade, the dime time, the whatever, the mini max type of stuff first, right? Because guys like me are not, are not in those. So if you can't beat those, you can't show a profit in those, then you're not going to show a profit in, in, in moving up moving up to, you know, lower stake, low stake. You're in the micro stakes, now to low stakes, to mid stakes, to high stakes. You're going to have to progress like that. And you just have to be patient. So you build your bankroll over time, right? So I, I, I mean, I told, I told him in the chat yesterday, I'm not scolding him or anything. I'm just sharing, sharing the information is that like, yes, I played about 50, I played $1,500 worth of lineups on paper, right? $1,498.50 or whatever, because it's $9 and 99 cents an entry. Uh, the first two years of me playing DFS, I would have never imagined playing $1,500 worth of entries, right? If I was, if I, if I was playing, I was playing 20, I would have played 20 lineups into this, right? Back then, right? 60 bucks, right? I would have, uh, uh, no, 200 bucks, right? Cause it's 999 entry. I would have played, did something like that. I build the best 20 lineups I can, probably by hand. And then eventually by, by using a lineup builder and everything. Uh, and then you build it up over time. When I first started playing, I was playing 40 bucks a slate, 50 bucks a slate, right? Playing soccer primarily. And then I moved to baseball. Then I moved to uh, golf, which I didn't have that much success in golf. And then, then to NBA. And your bankroll goes over time. I mean, by the time I was playing NBA, I mean, it was already like my third year of playing DFS. And then over time, so my bankroll goes from, goes from 400 bucks, right? Six months later, I'm at, you know, I'm at $4,000. Then six months later, I'm at like $20,000. And then, you know, you go up exponentially from there because obviously the more money, the, the, the bigger percentage you could play and maybe in higher stakes contests, then they have, they, have bigger, they have bigger prize pools and bigger first places or whatever. You get lucky, you get, you, variance goes your way and you don't get massive downswings in that time period. You should be going from strength to strength. Playing only the portion of your bankroll so don't like oh i have a thousand dollar bankroll and then it's like oh now i have a four thousand dollar bankroll and then now you're now you're playing 500 bucks a slate it's like that's a good way to just get go right back to where you started and you, you lose six months worth of progress but you just have to be patient you have to go you have to think right now like joe someone like joe would have to think right now okay uh will i get to the point of of max entering a $10 FanDuel contest like this and go, yeah, maybe two, two, two to three years from now, right? So don't worry about it now, right? But that's the time frame. A lot of people have very much shorter time frames. Go, okay, $1,500. And if, if I'm going to, if that's going to represent 2% of my bankroll, right? That's, that means you need a $75,000 bankroll. And you go, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. It's like, you could get, you could get there in two or three years. Absolutely. 
I mean, if you're if you're playing well, if you're building good lineups and playing well, right, you're gonna get there, right? You just have to be patient and you have to live through losing 90% of the time and maintaining emotional balance and and you know your process is good. You're not like constantly, well, I've lost three weeks in a row. So I gotta blow everything up. It said, who says that you were playing bad? Right? Who says you were playing bad? So people change things. Oh, well, this worked last night, so I'm not going to change it this night. And then this thing will work like, like it, that's not replicable, right? You'll never know what you're doing right or wrong. Uh, let's see, go through the YouTube chat. Do, 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 do. Right, he says, I can't put up almost half my bankroll. Exactly. I mean, he gets it. Joe gets it. Uh, and Daniel Hutchins says, there's a bigger contest you could have played. Apparently he won. He won what? Who? What nerdy won? He won what? The splash or something? What the higher stakes stuff? I just played a 150 lineups into this contest, right? And Neil, Neil, ah, Neil's here, right? Even Neil, Neil showed up. Whose lineup did I buy? I don't know. I, I Neil, Neil's. I don't know. If Neil's wondering why the Theory of DFS podcast we recorded on Monday hasn't been released yet. So instead of me telling him on Twitter that I forgot about it, I'm going to tell you. I just, I just, I forgot that I didn't put it out on Tuesday. Right, and then, then it came to a realization that I, okay, so it'll go up later. Whose lineup did I buy? Right, because I, I split, right, on FanDuel. It was a duped lineup, 442.90, right? I also came in fifth, so I mean, so I made 48,000 yesterday. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it, it, it's, it's, it's not that hard to dupe this lineup because, I mean, a lot, a lot of the chalk got there. I mean, a lot, a lot of the chalk got there. I mean, if you go to DraftKings, which obviously the pricing is different, but like, take a look at the top one percent of lineups, right? Look, look, look at look at all the chalk. Look at look at literal look at literally all the chalk, right? Other than like needing like even er, even Kyrie and and Durant, I mean, there there were like one percent owned, but you probably needed one or two of them, right? You could have. Buddy, Buddy Heald was the low on one. He was in 21%, but he was 7,700 on DraftKings. He was only 5,900 on FanDuel. So that's a little bit different. Isaiah Roby, right? 5,000 on both sites. And 5,000 on, on, on FanDuel is a little bit cheaper uh, than 5,000 on DraftKings. 16.9. Aiton, I mean, he didn't need Aiton because if you had him bead, you were, you were fine. Of course, you spent more money, but he got there anyway. But look, Obi Toppin, I mean, yeah, when you score 47 points for 3,400, uh, you're going to be in like all the lineups. He was 60% owned. Dinwiddie, 51% owned. Mitchell, 42% owned. Barrett, 41% owned. Embiid, 32. Tyus Jones, 31. Uh, and uh, Damian Jones, 31. Damian Jones wasn't, wasn't really owned on, on FanDuel. Uh, neither was like Trey Mann. Yeah, some of these are like Brunson. Brunson was 6,700 on DraftKings, but much cheaper on FanDuel. But look, I mean, look, the chalk just basically, basically smashed, right? So if you if you had if you had good projections, right, you you probably you probably were able to build pretty good lines. I mean, if we take a look, even even in the top, we get 150 max, 150 max, 150 max, 150 max, right? Wasn't that hard? What was the what was the winning lineup on DraftKings? Yeah, Maladon. Oh, Maladon at one percent. Yeah, you didn't need him. Yeah, this is a low on PJ Tucker, 0.3 percent owned. Oh, okay. So much more contrarian lineup one on uh, DraftKings, but the price, the pricing is tight. 
right? So it's to jam in like all the dudes, right? Dude of life. Like this is more of the type. Yeah, Isaiah Roby at 3%. But say like for the most part, you're playing a 42% Mitchell, a 60% Toppin, a 51% Dinwiddie, right? So the field, look, 257 ownership zone. This is 168 ownership zone. This is 220 ownership zone. This is 211, right? Right, because he had 2.2% Malik Monk, right? But you didn't even need this much leverage. I mean, because so many of the top pieces got there. Going through the YouTube chat. Let's see. Let's see. Daniel just says, I think I got 15. You know, the nerdy tenor got 15. Yeah, I saw I saw you up there. I'm not I'm not gonna scroll by, right? Here's Neil, ninth place, right? What did what did Neil's lineup? Brunson, Mitchell, Halliburton, Burks, Durant, Heald, Robert. Okay, Robert Williams. So what's is this? It's a 2v2 of Roby. I have Roby and Dinwiddie. And no, it's a 3v3. So I have Roby, Dinwiddie, Anthony, and he has Williams, Burks, and Brunson. All, all in my, all, I mean, these are all the types of players that I was playing anyway. So I was just mixing and matching them, right? So you take, take a look. I mean, take a look at my winning line of 40% owned, 29, 9, 22, 21, 21, 47, 14 for Roby, who I thought would be a little bit more, more on than that. Uh, and 42% for Embiid. Uh, I don't think Joe says it's pretty much sub 10% Cole Anthony. I don't think it was. Cole Anthony was, Cole Anthony was, was, was 5,600 and he scored 37 points. But like he's in the same range, like Burks is 4,900 and scored 37. Brunson, 5,300 and scored 36. Right. We also had uh, who else? Who else was in that range? Like there were a bunch of, there were a couple of guys, Davion Mitchell, obviously. 30s, like they, like there were a whole bunch of point guard shooting guard types that like put up 36, 37, 38, like somewhere in that range that are all in like the same price, right? Around high 4,000s, mid 5,000s type of thing, right? To me, I thought, I mean, I think the key more key to the lineup is not Cole Anthony, but the mixture of Isaiah Roby and the two Pacers. I had the two Pacers. Uh, as in their ranges on FanDuel at 7,900 and 5,900 as, as under owned. So I got a, I got a ton of them in my first run. And if you, if, if you want to see exactly what I did, you, you're going to, I, I, I was, I was incredibly lucky yesterday, incredibly lucky that the process that I did yesterday uh, is, is, is much more, uh, what, what what's the best word to put it uh, uh abbreviated that's a better way to put it abbreviated let's just say i didn't leave myself enough time to do everything on a 12 game slate right i'm like oh okay i'll be able to get to do do all of this in a, in in 30 minutes and and i didn't and i punted okay so i punted a lot of things so if we take a look at this is my late swap to show all my lineups. So yesterday on FanDuel, I had 81% Barrett, 
66% Halliburton, 53% healed, 60% Embiid, right? I still had Brunson, Burks, Dinwiddie, Anthony, 35% Obi Toppin, 35% Davian Mitchell, 34% Isaiah Roby, Kevin Durant, 26. And then we start going from here. I still had, I had 24% Trey Young. That didn't matter. But if you see here, I left this open, right? To show you, these are all the seven o'clock games that locked, right? These are all the seven o'clock, right? Because I can't switch them out. What happened is that I was building lineups because it's a 12 game slate. So I typically go play uh, team by team through the player pool, right? To see if I need to build any groups, right? And also exclude, I had 74 players in my pool because I, I exclude the low projected people that aren't going to make any lineups, right? I don't want, or at least I don't want to make any lineups because look at the values yesterday. Brunson, Barrett, Burks, Mitchell, Cole Anthony, Dinwiddie. And like, look, look at eights, nines. I mean, like you have to build with these players, right? Maybe not all, all of them, but like you're, you're probably playing four or five of them in every lineup. Right up here, Isaiah Roby, seven points, uh, plus minus. Like it's it's like impossible at these at these levels to not play. They're not play like five of these guys in a FanDuel lineup. At least maybe even six. You're going to be sacrificing ten points in projection in your total lineup construction by doing so. So it's like, is the ownership worth it? And on FanDuel, especially, I don't mind going with a slightly higher like ownership sum or product because uh uh owner number one ownership on FanDuel is a bit harder to predict but that's for good reasons because the, the large fields are, are softer right there's a lot more there's a lot more bad lineups on FanDuel than there are in DraftKings in the percentage wise of the of the entire tournament so the ownership is going to be much typically on average not per player but on average going to be more inefficient the best projected players may not go owned enough. They'll go highly owned, but maybe not as much as, as, as you would think, right? Someone like Obi Toppin, right, on, on FanDuel was 3,500, and he came in at 47% owned. And you go, oh, well, that's like the, one of the chalkiest players on the slate. It's like, yeah, but he probably should have been 60% at that price, right? Isaiah Roby was 3,900. And FanDuel, he was 14% owned. He should have been like 38% owned. So like, I don't mind playing a lot of, if I'm playing, you know, top and it's like 47% isn't prohibitive to me because it should be 60, right? Davian Mitchell was 40% owned. He probably should have been 48% owned or something. The only reason some of this owned, like the, the Dinwiddie, right? Because there was just a lot of players that were of value in the point guard shooting guard spot. So it's going to be spread out a little. And because of that, since I'm, I'm more likely, the chalk is more likely to be under-owned on FanDuel, which means I don't mind if my owner, if my projected ownership sum is higher. Because I could play a lineup that, that has like, like five, I mean, look at this lineup here. This lineup in actual ownership, the ownership sum was 250, which is weird because that was the range that I was going for. Anyway, okay. But like I would go through my normal process to go through and I'm going to go through, I'm going to go, I'm going to look, you know, let me click on, I'm going to go to New York. Right. So these are the guys that I had, right. The top projected guys. Right. I mean, like whatever. So I have Barrett Burks, Toppin, Sims and Quickly. 
And I go, well, quickly comes out for Burks, right? Burks and quickly, typically, you know, when Burks is out, quickly's in. So typically I don't want to play them together, right? And then Toppin and Sims, you know, compete for rebounds. I mean, I, I can play them both together, but most likely I don't have to play, play two guys on the same team for 3,500. So I group them out. So like, so I would go through, right? So I have quickly Burks, zero one. I mean, it didn't matter for that specific lineup or anything. I'm just showing you like the process. I mean, I've showed this, I've told this a hundred times before, right? So I will be topping in Sims, separate them, right? So I'm going through every team. So I'm like, oh, I, Damian Jones and Trey Lyles don't play together, right? On a 12 game slate, like I'm, I'm, much, I'm much more restrictive in the t- in players that I'm playing together, right? Here's one, uh, DiVincenzo, Holiday, and Barnes for Sacramento. Only one, right? So I'm probably playing Davian Mitchell, but I if I'm going to play like two uh, Sacramento players, I wanted to be Mitchell plus one of these guys, but not a lineup that's like DiVincenzo Barnes, because they're you know they're at their prices they're not like projected great they're decent enough right if we go we go to Sacramento for instance, right here are the players that I had in my pool. Right. I was going to probably barely get Barnes and Holiday. Right. But I'm just like, well, raw points wise for their prices, they're fine. So if I get any, I don't even know. I don't think I got any of these guys anyway. And then I look at this and I go, okay, separate Lyles and Jones. Right. And then how, how many of you, then once I go through and I see how well projected the team is in general. So I'm like, okay, I could play Mitchell plus someone else. So the Kings, like, based on these projections, on FanDuel at least, I can play two of these guys, right? Two, th- I mean, some teams you can play three of, right? If we go to New York, like, eight, nine, not like, I, I don't mind playing all three of these guys in the same lineup, right? So going team by team, I go through, and I set that in, in the max players per team. So New York, three, Charlotte, one, Sacramento, two, Pacers, two, right? So I don't have to make groups of players and say only one of these five guys. It's like, well, I'm a, based on their projection. I'm only playing one. And I, I don't, I'm probably not playing Gerder and Bogdanovich together. Right. On a 12 game slate, but I don't have to make that group because no one in Atlanta project. They they're there. They're raw points. So I'm probably only going to be playing one of them on a slate that has seemingly infinite value on it. So I just have to put in one so I don't have to bother making those types of groups. So that's what I would do. I would go, I would go through all of that. Now, uh, for a lot of slates, it's a seven-game slate, an eight-game slate, and there isn't much news. Or we all know all the news, right? Start, I mean, yesterday was just like, this guy's out, this guy's, you know, Luke is out, but now this, now Fox is out. Now the, the Pacers, all the guys started going out for the Pacers. So like to change stuff, uh, was going to be hectic and I knew it was going to be hectic. Uh, but I, I started at like six thirty-five anyway. <laughs> I still started 25 minutes before lock. I was considering not playing yesterday. Right. I have to credit me playing, uh, weirdly enough to my wife, weird, weirdly enough. And it's not even, it's not even something that it was her decision or anything. Uh, Wednesday, Wednesday nights, if, if you know me, I'm typically watching AW dynamite at eight o'clock, right? Big wrestling fan. Uh, so it's typically me and my wife watching for two hours from eight to 10. 
I don't like having to like get up and having to make lake swaps at eight, eight, eight 30, right? Nine o'clock, you know, then 10 o'clock. Okay. I can't see the, the end because at nine 50, I'm going to check the, do I need to make lake swaps for 10 o'clock based on stuff? So it's like, it's, it's interruptive. Obviously, you could pause. We have a DVR. You could pause it or something like that. But I'd rather not. I want to watch it live with my wife. Uh, yesterday, uh, my wife had some work training thing from seven to ten, so she wasn't going to be able to watch it live anyway. So she was going to watch it when she got back on DVR, right? So I could have watched it live and then watched it again with my wife, and then I just decided. And then since I thought that, I'm like, well. If I need to, I could watch it live. And if I need to late swap or whatever, who cares? I'm, I'm just going to be watching it later anyway, right? With with her because she wants to watch it, right? So I'm like, okay, so I can, I'll play tonight. It doesn't matter that it's 12 game slates and it's late season NBA. And you, who knows what the hell is going to happen, right? And that's what happened. So, you know, then I, I barely ended up watching, watching the program anyway. And, uh, and yeah, so it's quite possible that if she didn't have that work thing from seven to 10, I would have decided to say, hey, I'm not dealing with a 12 game late in late season NBA slate and just not play. Cause that, that's what I would do a lot of like I didn't play and play uh Tuesday or anything. Some of those shorter four game slates, I just don't even bother playing. So it's kind of weird. Kind of weird how things work out. Going through the YouTube chat. I'll I'll continue with with the with the 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 quote abbreviated process. Oh, let's see. Masher says make $40. For winning the night piggy bank not quite 50k but it was the big field yes you have to start from somewhere don't go by the raw number go by the the how how what what x what multiplier i 100x my money like so if you started with with a dollar right i put in dollars worth of entries and now i got at a hundred dollars like that's that's like me putting in 1500 and getting 15 15 000, right 1500 now getting 150 000. Right, so so you probably had a better ROI than I had yesterday. Uh, let's see. Yeah, and Daniel Hutchins has has it very 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 good. Uh, so much value locked early that I didn't make any moves post lock. I did force in a small amount of done. I think I I did not past seven oh seven ten or so Eastern. I did not switch any of my lineups. So I'm very similar. Very similar to Daniel. And yes, I considered switching to get some Chris Dunn, but I didn't think it was, I didn't even think it was worth it. So I just didn't even buy. I didn't want to blow up any of my lineups with their, you know, projected ownership. Well, we'll talk about that also, because I blew, blew it up anyway. Uh, do, 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 did I do any late swapping and bot? Yes, I did it once, but not because I was late swapping. I'll, I'll explain. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, Kickstart asks, I'm sure you've been asked this and we'll continue to hear it, but are you going to raise your volume now that you passed your 75K a year goal? I don't care about its total bankroll size. I'm going to play a percentage of my bankroll regardless of, of I hit my nut for the year while well, I'm still going up and down. I mean, it's one long game, right? But my goal is, is not to, to make 75K a year. It's to average 75K a year over the course of playing DFS. If one year... I only make 10K, but the next year I make 200,000. Like over the two year period, I, I, I made $105,000 or whatever, right? I don't, as long as it's on that trajectory, I don't want to, yes, I don't want, I don't want to average $75,000 a year by losing 
for for 12 years and then winning the Millie Maker in my 13th year. Like that still would be the average, but like you wouldn't have a bankroll at that point in order to do anything. So no, like it, that's, it's, it's going to be, and, and also I'm not going to raise my volume to just build playing contests with the sharpest players in the world, right? If there's no edge, if I don't feel right. Oh, and now you can play the monster every day. I could have played the monster every day before, right? Right. This, this, this result, $48,000 from yesterday is not, is not changing. It's really not changing anything of how I put It's not really changing it. Right. I already have a substantial bankroll. Right, so forty-eight thousand dollars does a nice puts a nice dent in it. Right, nice addition to it, a bit, pretty hefty addition to it. But it, you know, I'm still I'm still like I played fifteen I played fifteen hundred dollars and yesterday fifteen hundred dollars represents less than one percent of my bankroll. Okay, so that extra forty-eight thousand dollars and now I'm playing seven thousand dollars a slip now. And what am I going to add? Oh, now I'm DraftKings. I'm going to enter. I'm going to play 10 lineups into the $800 contest with all the sharpest players and no bad lineups. Like, I wouldn't do that if I had a $17 million bankroll. Right? What's the point? Well, where's, where's the ad? There's no bad lineups in there. So what, what, what am I going to I'm, I'm going I'm to stick my money in the places where I get the most return. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, Master says he won 50K in FanDuel a month ago. Okay, so who cares? He's talking about, oh, he won the $40 thing and whatever. Oh, he won 50 Okay. What are you complaining about? Right, Grant Grant is talking in the chat about getting a lot of lineups on DraftKings at 50% off ownership and only five to eight points off optimal. I was getting the same on FanDuel as well. That's kind of what, that's, that's pretty much what I did until I blew everything. Okay, so my normal process is to go through every team like that, right? Any groups that I make, how, what's the max amount of players I can play from a certain team based on their projection, right? So like I could play three Dallas players, right? Because we had Brunson, Dinwiddie, and Powell, Kleber, if they happen to end up in the lineup. Orlando, I had three also, right? You could have played Anthony, Okeke, and Wagner or something because Wendell Carter was out. Okay, see, I had two. Right, Roby plus, you know, Trey Man or something, which I barely got. Right, so I go through and see based on the projections. Pacers, I pretty much only had Halliburton healed, and they projected so well for their for their position. Uh, let's see. Well, it wasn't like this. I I must have refreshed. Right. Did heels projection come down? Did I did I accidentally have too much heel? Yeah, Bro yeah, yeah, Brogdon was out. So he's in the he's in my excluded. I can't refresh. If I refresh, I'm gonna lose all my late swap stuff. So this must be, yeah, because I'm getting on. Yeah, the grid from today is in here. Okay, so that's that's the problem. Okay, so I can't even go through that. Right. Do I have the I, I could I could probably fix it in the URL, but I don't want to blow everything up because then I'm going to lose this screen. Uh, but what ended up happening, right? I go through my entire process. And now what I'm going to do, typically, I'm going to adjust ownership, okay? I'm going to adjust my own ownership by looking at projections around the industry, right? Looking at ownership around the industry and tweak it. 
right? But it's a 12-game slate. I have like 70 players. I'm used to doing like 40 players, right? I can do 40 players in 10 minutes, maybe imprecisely as maybe maybe eight minutes. I can do like 40 players in like eight minutes if I, if I go quickly, okay? I now have 77 players, right? Instead of 40, 44, or something like that on a seven gamer and especially on a slate with like there's now there's tons of value. It's not like, Oh, there's two chalk guys and a whole bunch of about the same. Like there was just so much stuff that now, now I'm sitting there after I went through team by team and that takes me about 10 minutes. Right. So now it's six forty-five. So now do I adjust for like, am I going to adjust for ownership? So I started to adjust for ownership. Then I saw that there's no way I'm getting this done by seven o'clock. Like I saw immediately after, after, after adjusting like two teams, three teams, like that, I'm, that, no, this, this thing, I'm not going to be able to create 150 lineups. It's going to run because to build 150 lineups with the groups and everything like that is probably going to take two, two to three minutes just to run. And remember, I typically, I'll, I'll typically run 300 lineups and, and uh, take out lineups from there. I don't even have the time to do that because that that takes a couple of minutes, right? So that that could take me five to eight minutes, and I'm sitting there. It's like six forty eight, and I, I'm like, I'm not going to be be able to be done with ownership. So I just reset everyone's ownership, right? To use RG ownership. So I'm just like, I'm just running. I'm just running with this. I looked at uh, uh, around the industry to see if anyone was going to be over owned or under owned. So I'll I'll do that by exposure. So I'll do my old school, old, this would be like an old school methodology, right? Before I would adjust ownership, I would just go, well, these guys, like, I know that, that the players that, that Roto-Grinders have higher projected than other sites, their ownership on our site will look higher than what it will really be. Okay. Roby was one of those examples. Halliburton was one of those examples. Halliburton around the industry, I think on FanDuel was projected for maybe three, three points less, because all these players start getting Brogdon, Duarte, like Pacers were like, if you looked at their 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 roster coming into that game, it's like basically healed at Halliburton were the only two scorers on the entire, like, and they're going to be running like maybe an eight man, maybe possibly an only an eight man rotation. And they're, and Davion Mitchell is chalk. And I'm going to be playing a ton of him anyway. So why don't I play it, Halliburton? Now Halliburton at 7,900 is okay, but healed at 5,900. Because of his price, I could play him again, right? So that's what, how I got Halliburton healed lineups. If healed was like 6,800, if he was 1,000 more, I would have grouped them out and I wouldn't have been able to get that lineup. But because of his price, it's like healed could put up, at for his price, 36 points. And Halliburton puts up 55 and I'm fine. And it just so happened they both put up, you know, 55 and 50, right? And had them together alongside David Mitchell. But that's how I determine what who I have to group out and the size of a slate, right? A smaller slate, raw points matter a lot more than make you know getting the some GPP value score. So on a four game slate, I don't I don't mind playing Kyrie and Durant together. I don't mind playing LeBron and Westbrook together. I, there's only so many choices, right? On a four game slate, on a twelve game slate, the opportunity cost is high. There's tons of choices. So why bother playing two 10K guys on the same team together and hope they both get 70 points, which will happen on occasion, but most likely one person does well and the other one doesn't. 
or doesn't do as well that you don't need, you know, getting 46 points for 11,000 is probably may not cut it for a large field GPP. So being that I couldn't adjust for ownership in my normal way of actually changing the numbers, I just did it with minimum exposures. So that's why I went to like, uh, like Roby. And I'm like, give me 30%. Give me, I mean, I changed these because I, I, I did a late swap, but I started with like 30 of this, right? Can I get 35 of Obi? Can I get uh, 35 of Davian Mitchell? Can I like, I'm looking, because I'm, look, I'm comparing it to the ownership that I see here. I'm like, do I want more? Do I want more? Okay, give me more of this. Give me more of that, right? So I, I ran all of that and I ran it uh, with like just 50 lineups, right? I don't have that much time. So I have to abbreviate my entire process. So the reason I'm, I ran 50 lineups with, uh, with, with diversification, so not even one unique, just so I can get a gauge of what ownership level I should be at. Okay, so that's what I'll do. I'll just run a test run. Normally I'd run 300 and do it. I don't have time for that, right? Because that 300 lineups, I'm going to wait three to four minutes just for it to make the lineups. And I'm already, it's like 10 minutes to lock. So it's like, I just need, I just need a number. So I run 50 lineups and then I scroll through the lineups and I go too high owned, too high owned, too high owned, right? Like that. And then I get to a point where it's like, okay, this lineup's good. That lineup's good. That, and I see what the ownership sum is. And I go, the ownership sum is around 250, right? There's one 252, 241. Do, so I just said, I, I just go, go, into, go into build rules and I go, just give me max cap at 250, right? A lot of times I'll also put in a minimum, right? So I don't get like really crap line of 60, right? Most likely you don't have to do that, but you can if you want, right? And I don't have time to run multiple builds. So normally I would not use randomness, right? I would just, I wouldn't even use max exposure percentage. I would normally, I don't care if I get hundred percent, right? Like, so when I originally ran this, I'm running this at 59.5, you know, like, like this, and I would normally run 300, right? I would run 300 like this and then go through and weed out the 150 that I, the 150 that I don't want, right? And X, 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 and there I get my lines, right? I don't have time for that, right? And now, now I'm after that 50, it's like, it's 653, right? So it's like, what the hell am I going to do? So it's like, well, okay, well, I guess I'm making 150 lineups, right? With this ownership and to simulate, since I'm going to have to, we, I, since I can't weed out entries, I turn on true range randomness. So it's like, I need, I need a, a, a way to have some more dirt diversification because I'm not going to be going through lineups, right? So I do this and then I go, do I want a hundred percent, even, even the highest projected guys, do I want a hundred percent of? Like, I don't know, but I don't, I don't want to risk having to run another build again. So there's 90, right? I mean, there's no technical reason why I did 90, but it could have been 80, it could have been whatever. Just like I was, I was, I was scared that one of the value plays I would have in 100% of my lineups and another one of the value plays I'd have 10%, right? So at least it's like 90 and 20 or something. I don't know. And that's what I did. And then I ran 150, knowing that it's going to take, it's going to take two or three minutes to run 150 lineups. And now it's 654. So now I'm waiting. Now it's six, I get 150 lineups at uh, 6.56, right? And then I look and I see that I have like 90% Joel Embiid, 
right? I go 90, like, really? Do I want to play a very expensive play? I'm playing the same construction. If I play 90% in bead, I'm playing so many lineups with a very similar construction and a very chalky construction, right? Do I want 90? Do I want most of my lineups? Like, I, I, I don't mind a lot of my lineups. I don't mind a majority of my lineups. But it's like, it seems like I'm getting very similar construction types. So I'm like, if I, like, and Embiid is the key, that set, that center position. So I'm like, well, how, I, I got four minutes. So I bump Embiid down to 60, just give me the maximum 60%, right? Because I'm doing abbreviated. This is, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going by just in, instinct now because I don't have time to do things a little, a little more, more uh, 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 what would you call it? I would have to think more about it, right? So it's like, maybe out of these 150 lineups, maybe 20 or 30 of these lineups are really bad, but at least I got lineups in and not a dummy train of my, just like a cash lineup for 150 lineups. So I cap them at 60 and I run it again. And now it's, it's 657, right? And I still got to export this and cut it into my, uh, paste it into my CSV and upload it on FanDuel. So I'm waiting, I'm waiting. It, it 150 lineups, it comes in at, like 6.58, but it, the clock changes to 6.59 as I'm exporting from lineup HQ. And then I take the Excel file, I cut and paste the lineups into the other Excel file, the other CSV, and then I upload on FanDuel and 30 seconds later it locks. But I did this knowing that like other than the first couple of games, like I, I could late swap, right? So in the early games, so that, 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 that run, that second run, when I capped Embiid at 60, I literally did not know what was going to be in it until it locked. So we had the New York, the Knicks game, the, the Kings Pacers game, and the Atlanta Detroit game that locked at seven. So when I, when I built my lineups at one, that, that 150, when I, when I uploaded my lineup set, I did not know how much of everyone I had. All I knew is that I had a maximum of 90% of any player and a maximum of 60% of a Joel Embiid, but I also had a maximum of projected ownership, right? So I knew I wasn't, I wasn't going to get 80% Dinwiddie or 80% Mitchell, right? I, I'm not, I'm not going to get like seven chalk players, like seven high-owned players together. I, I'm going to get some good distribution of them at a proper, proper ownership leverage level. And then I could fix anything from there. And then I said to myself, and then I'll just, once it locked, now I could fix things if I wanted to. And then I then it locked and I saw, oh, okay, well, I can't fix Barrett because I probably wouldn't have played 81% of Barrett, but them's the breaks. That's what happens. And probably I probably wouldn't have played 66% and 53% of Halliburton and Heald, even though I compare our projections had him much better than around the industry. And with all those pacers out, I was going to play a lot of them anyway. Right, but maybe not 53 and 66. Maybe I would have said, ah, maybe 40% Halliburton, 30% healed or something and move some other people up, right? But I didn't have a chance to, right? Because they locked, right? All these Mercs locked at 47%, Obi Toppin at 35. I probably would maybe want to play more of him, right? But they all locked, right? I probably wouldn't have played 24% of Trey Young. Probably would have been a little bit lower on that. But the lot, I mean, I just had to get good lineup. Just give me lineups that are at least directionally good, properly leveraged enough. I don't even know if they're properly leveraged because I can't even change the ownership. So I'm just like, I'm running at the seat of my pants. I'm estimating it 
by using by using exposures. Give me more Roby. Give me more Halliburton. Give me, give me more, right? But don't give me so much of Embiid that I have the same type of lineups all the time, right? And that, and then bring it into your late swap tool. The problem with the late swap tool is that sometimes you have to blow up ownership, right? You're projected it, it's not gonna, it's not gonna fit. You, if if I left my when I left the settings the way they were, and I tried to rebuild lineups, like it wouldn't build all 150, right? Because it would get stuck. Because mathematically it couldn't make lineups with these conditions. So I, that's why I decreased my salary to 59,000, right? Right. Before I had like three units, I went down to two, right? I raised, you know, the ownership level. And I eventually, you know, I raised the ownership level. I, I like, it could, it could only build 39. And then I raised it again and it could only build 78. And then I raised it again. It could only build 92. And it got to the point where I just said, fuck it. Right. Just, just, just nothing. Right. Just give me the best lineups possible at this point. Right. With all the guys that are currently locked in, that's fine. Right. Give me, give me, give me, give me randomness just for the sake of, so I'm not getting the same types of lineups. Right. Normally I wouldn't have this. I would have this on zero, but I, I, I wasn't able to do it like manually myself last night. So I just, just give me the, give me the best lineups with all those guys locked in. And then I did that a couple of times and then I massaged the exposures just to, just to make sure, you know, I had more of the under, I have more of the under on players and less of the lower on players. Normally that would be taken care of by your ownership some more, but I didn't have that. I'm rushing through everything. So it's like, well, I can't control it that way because I have not manually adjusted all of these ownership numbers. So I just have to look and go, Go well. I know that uh, Isaiah Roby is under owned, right? We have him at twenty seven, but I would have put him at like eighteen. I would have manually put him at eighteen or twenty, maybe. He came in at fourteen, so I'm like, I want thirty percent, right? Yeah, but I also don't want like I from a risk preference standpoint, I don't want eighty percent of them, right? So I just start putting in these numbers with like a four point a four four percentage point spread. Right. And see what comes up, because what ends up happening is that I put in some of these, I run it. And then some some guy that I that is down here ends up I end up with like 30 percent. It's like uh, that only because of a positional and salary thing. So that's why I start cutting it off. So I just go through and I, I ran this ran this maybe four or five times. Then I would get too I would get too much Dorian Finney Smith, and then I would run it again. I would get too much of this guy. Right? I would just one guy would just like bubble up like that. It's like okay, cut that off. Then another guy would bubble and then cut that off, and then just go through. And then you go, okay, okay. I I, I know I'm I I know I got good lineups. I know they they should be properly leveraged, right? The Roto Grinders projections were on fire, right? They're they're great projections. I trust them, right? That's that's it, it is what I use. I use the Roto Grinders projections, right? So there you go. And then I up I exported the CSV at what? Say like 720. Right. Because I did this right after lock because I knew I was going to fix everything. I knew it's like, okay, other than the first three games, I still got nine games and I could fix everything after that. And then I uploaded that and then I'd never swapped from that point forward because there was no reason to. No news came out other than Chris Dunn starting over Brandon Williams. And like I didn't have any guard spots anyway. I mean, like that's, that's <laughs> I was like, Chris Dunn, yeah, 
He would have, he went from not making my pool to making my pool rather than I got to jam him into as many lineups as possible. It's like, yeah, he probably, if I had him before, before doing this, he would have ended up in like 4% of my lineups as it is, even with that projection or 8%, maybe you're saying, you know, probably even less because all the value was in the guard spots. So I like, I didn't bother. So I said, okay, just let it run, let it run. And I didn't know. And I did going into, you know, the first two hours, I wasn't even paying attention to the slate. Right. Then I went back, back to watch, watch wrestling. Then once I started checking my lineups, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm, some of these guys are doing really well. Right. Rooting for Roby. Right. All the Knicks guys got there. I'll be topping, broke the slate, stuff like that. And then, then, then I started sweat. Then I saw the, then, then eventually once the, the Lakers game starts, I see it's like, okay, I got some good line. I got to go. I got to line up in 53rd place with Embiid because on FanDuel, you could see their projected score. doesn't mean you, I agree with the FanDuel projection, but you start looking and you go, what's the, what are the top projected scores up top? And you go, oh, top projected scores are like, like 428 and 432. I look at my lineup and it's projected scores like 448. It's like, mm, this lineup could win. And I looked and it had Embiid. That was the lineup that was here. Lineup that was here and it had Embiid. And I looked, I went through all the lineups from one to 52 to see if anyone had Embiid. You know, I was the highest lineup with Embiid. So I'm like, I think I have a good chance to win until I realized that someone else had the same exact lineup also. So it's like, okay, I can win 40,000, not 50,000, but I don't mind. And then towards the end of the game, I'm like, come on, Embiid obviously gets there. And then some dude with Drew Eubanks ends up coming in, ending up in first place. And Embiid hasn't entered the game for the fourth quarter, but it's like, dude, dude's going to play the like six minutes. He needs to score two and a half points. He comes in in like the eight, eight minutes to go in the game. Like, how does, how does Embiid not score two and a half points? He went from the eight minute mark to the, to the two minute mark without scoring. Nothing, right? He got a negative two because he got two turnovers or one turnover, something like that. And then eventually he gets a, gets a rebound, right? And then he gets two free throws, right? And then he gets fouled. Then he gets an assist on that alley-oop dunk. So I watched the game. That is the only time I watch basketball. I put it on my phone, right? And I was watching watching the, the end of the game. And once that alley-oop dunk that he, I don't know who got the dunk, but Embiid got the assist, that put me over the line. And then he got two more free throws just for, for just for, uh, for padding purposes. It was like, there you go. So that's, that's yesterday. Is, is, is it weird? It's, it's, it's weird to say that the, the most abbreviated rushed version with, with a lot of things in my, in my lineups that I, I may not have done, not in this specific lineup. Like if you take a look at this lineup, this lineup did not have RJ Barrett, even though I had 81% of RJ Barrett. If anything, if I, if I may have had more line, if anything, it's quite possible. Uh, if I had, if I started an hour early instead of a half an hour early, uh, I would have ended up in first, third, fifth, eighth. And maybe I would have made more money, right? Because all the, all the guys that were in the top lineups, I had more of every, I mean, like I was, that's what I was playing. These were the lineups that I was playing, even, even up to like curve. Take a look at this lineup, right? Same type of lineup. I mean, really, the only difference is Brunson, Cole Anthony over Brunson, right? And I was playing Brunson, Jimmy Greens, right? I was playing Tyus Jones, Kyrie Irving. I still had some, I mean, like, 
they all look like this. I had some healed, I, I was healed Halliburton, is Drew Sanch, right? Deontay Murray. I had, I had a bunch of those lineups also. So instead of uh, Embiid, I would have Roby in the center spot and I would Deontay Murray in one of the guard spots. So even this looks like a lot of lineups. I didn't have any Aiton, right? That was the only, when Aiton was going off, I'm like, maybe I, maybe I should have played some Aiton. Didn't matter. So I'm like, I'm looking down, you know, here's a lineup that wasn't first for a while. Right, Miles Bridges, yeah, I mean, he was in my pool, but I don't even know if I had any, right? No Aiden, but still, the, the core of everything else is exactly what I had and what I was planning on anyway. So it's like, here's Neil's lineup, right? So I was building a lot of these styles of lineups with these player combinations regardless. Just I, I, I probably would, would not have had so much as much of Barrett, right? I probably still, I still would have plenty of Mitchell, Dinwiddie, Anthony, Halliburton, Heald, Durant, Top, and Rowe, like all of these, like all the guys that I had more of. So I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's like, oh, I pressed some buttons and I got lucky, right? Because you all have to set like, well, what's the proper ownership level? What's this? But now, what? Who do you group out? Who do you do? like? Those types of things. A lot of people may have grouped out Halliburton, Heald, Heald at fifty nine hundred. I didn't, right? On another slate, maybe I do, depending on the price. But there you go. So there's the expert. Did you learn anything? Did anyone learn anything? We didn't go over the slate on, on DraftKings as much. Tonight's slate, we got what? One, two, three, five games. Am I going to play tonight? I don't know. But I said that yesterday, right? I said, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to play. Then I'd like, I, one, another, another reason why I played on Fandle is, is just, I switch back and forth. And it depend, depends on the, on the contest structures. FanDuel's payout structure is now better than DraftKings. FanDuel used what's most of the season is off, right? This contest normally would have 100,000 to first, 30,000 to second, 15,000 to third, 7,500 for fourth, 3,000 for fifth, 1,000 for sixth, seventh would be $800. Okay. That's what it would normally. That what I've what I've seen throughout the course of the season. So I hate though that's that's like for a hundred thousand to first and eight hundred to seventh, that's a set of stake nines, right? The variance between seventh and first is no one can control that. That's just you're trying to get your lineups up there and like oh it, you, I've had five seventh place finishes and you, and you lost money, right? Even though you beat out God knows how many people, you need firsts, right? Even seconds, even seconds seems like a $70,000 difference, right? But then I saw like on Monday, because on Monday I played on FanDuel also. So on Monday, I'm like, okay, what? I'd, I'm only going to play on one site. Is going to be DraftKings? Is going to be FanDuel? And I looked at FanDuel and I saw 50,000, 30,000, 20,000, 12, eight, right? Eight, five, three, two, you know, like, oh, like 15th place is $1,000. But it's not 100,000 at first. I don't mind. I'll, I'll take, I'll take 40,000, right? That's fine. And now, now it's more worth it for me to play 150 lines, to play more lineups, right? As opposed to me playing 50 lineups or 70 lineups or whatever that. So that's why I did. And that's why I saw on Wednesday, on Monday, I thought maybe it's a one-time thing. Then I saw on Wednesday, they're running, you know, $9.99. And it's a flatter payout structure on top. It's a flatter payout structure than DraftKings contest. So I'm like, 
And I consider FanDuel fields to be softer. So I'm going to play on fan. There you go. That was the main reason I didn't play that much large field GPPs on FanDuel. Their payout curves. I mean, DraftKings are top heavy also, but FanDuel's were stupid, like with two fall to 100,000 a first, 10,000 a second. Fifth place is $300. Like, I, I, that's, that's unsustainable. Can I play 20 lineups into that? Sure. Yeah. Okay. I could do that. I'm going to put $1,500 worth of lineups. It's almost, you, you need one of your lineups to come in like in the, in, in the top five just to break even on the day. Like it's, a, you'll, you'll be just bleeding your money like there's no tomorrow. And, and yeah, if you're good enough and you get a couple of hundred thousand, you're fine. But I don't like, I don't like those swings. I don't like those things. So when it was flatter, I was like, okay, oh, I'll play 150. That's why someone on Twitter asked, oh, you, you, I thought you don't play 150 liners. So I, if it's worth playing 150, I will. I play 150 usually in MMA, right? It's all depending on how much edge do you have, like what, it's all of these things, right? Why do I play 150 in MMA? Because I believe I have, a, I have an edge in MMA. Enough of an edge to play 150 liners. I believe I have a, as much of an edge in all the other sports, but the payout structures are, are done to the point where to reduce my risk, I'd rather just play less. I'll rather play high-risk lineups, just play less of them, right? I don't mind playing $600 worth of volume. And if it goes from 600 to zero, a whole bunch of times in the course of a month, I'm, not, I'm no big deal. I'm going to play the, I'm going to play lineups that could win first place. <clears throat> but when you're playing $1,500 a day or something, like you can't just build 1,500. I mean, you can. Mathematically, over the course of infinity, you can build 1,500 high-variance lineups and then hopefully win $100,000 a couple of times, right? You'd, and that's where you make your money. But if you you go on a pro- prolonged downswing, like down, you know, a stretch of, you know, not getting first place, <laughs> even just getting fourth place or second place, maybe even. Next thing you know, your $1,500 a day, blah, blah, blah. But six months from now, it's like, how, the, how did I lose $110,000? How did I bleed all of that away? Well, that's what happens, right? So in order to mitigate that, you may play, you know, a different set of lineups. I, I don't, I'm not going to jam in a 3% on guy into like 90% of my lineups, right? You could, those lineups are good. But I, I mean, we, we talk about that, that. That's all diversification and risk tolerance. So like all, all, the, all the settings on lineup HQ for like the build rules, how many uniques? What's the randomness? What's like, that's all, how, how different are your lineups to one another? And the more diversified you are, the less, the less risk it is. Right? But the more condensed you are, the higher risk because most, your lineups are correlated. So if you're, if you're playing just 1v1s, if one lineup does well, most likely all oh, 150, you're going to be all in a very similar spot. Right. If you do really well, you'll come in, you'll come in first, fourth, seventh, tenth, right? You'll be like in all of your lineups. Right? And if you come in near the min cash zone, you'll be all most of your lineups will be are all along there. You won't have a curve of some in last, some in here, some in the, that's more of a diverse set. There's no what neither is better. Just how much risk you're willing to take on. Go through the YouTube chat one more time before uh, getting out of here. Uh, anything that I missed? Let's see. I have to go all the way back. 
JWH talks about how do you judge leverage in sports with poor ownership projections? Well, now you have to make the owners and you have to do it. Without ownership, you can't have, you can't have the leverage level. Those three levers, right? Projection, correlation, leverage. <clears throat> if you don't have ownership, then you can't use your lead. Then I mean, you're, you're, how do you play? How do you play like other than I'm just going to play the best projected lineups and hopefully they're not owned enough. Right. I mean, like you could do it that way. Right. That may be That may work if the, if the, there's enough bad players in those niche sports, but you know, you can't use leverage without ownership numbers. So either, either you're, you're getting them from Roto grinders by signing up to Roto grinders premium, click on the link in the description, get $10 off your first month or creating them your own estimating it. Do it yourself, right? You still need it. Uh, let's see. Since Neil is here, a great time to ask if, uh, what did you think of uh, Brian Brick 75 statements on high stakes? I don't even need to do ownership piece anymore. Yeah, I, I, it's a difference between whether or not you're going to play balanced or you're going to play exploitative. That's the only difference. Uh, Right, and Daniel's talking, Nerdy Tenor's talking about, because Nerdy Tenor, I, I mean, Daniel does the balanced. Don't care much about ownership. I just want to play the guys at their efficient ownership, right? The frequency in which they should be played. And if anyone deviates from that, you profit, right? So that's a balanced strategy. That's a balanced approach. So Nerdy Tenor's on the complete other end of the spectrum from me. Like he's the furthest away. Nerdy Tenor is literally the furthest away from my, from my process. There's probably people that are even further from me on my side, but at least on his side, he's always just like, I just, I want to, I want to simulate everything. I want to play everyone at the, this guy's supposed to be 32% down. I, I know it's a lineup level, not a player level. He's going to play 32%, right? And if he's, if he's overowned, that means that means you have you have less of them, and if he's underowned, that means you have more of them. So you you profit from the inefficiency of everything, right? But you profit this whatever whatever the distance is. That's that that is your that is your profit. Now, if you knew that one guy is thirty two percent owned, that should be forty five percent owned. You probably, it's more worth it to play, right? Right, you're going to play them at 45%, right? Guys, 32 going to be 32%, should be 45%. Someone like Nerdy Tenor on a player level will say, well, I'm just going to play 45% because I don't have to worry about what the what I think the field is going to do, right? That 32 number, I don't care about that number. I just like, his efficient ownership is 45%, I'm going to play 45%, right? I don't know if that's, you know, and the field may play 40, may play 50, but any inefficiency of or above 45%, you make a profit off. Now, even though you make a profit off of it, it would be, if you have a 32% owned player that you think should be 45% owned, he should probably appear in more lineups. So to exploit the field playing 32%, maybe you're maybe playing 60%, Right. He said, no, I'm going to explain the fact that this guy is, is 
under owned. I, I would, I don't want to play him at the frequency that he should be owned. I want to play him more than that because I'm gaining relative value from so many other people. So I want to take advantage. I want to have them in more lineups. That would be an exploitative strategy. But in order to do the exploitative strategy, you need, you need to know what the field's going to do. Not just what's the efficient ownership of a play. Nerdy Tenor's method is that it doesn't matter. He doesn't care what the field does. The problem is uh, in, in both, in both strategies, you need to know two things, the projected ownership and the efficient ownership. So you need to have a methodology to do, either, if it's bluntly, both of those things or just one of those things. So if you if you don't if you're doing a balanced strategy, you don't care about ownership projections. But you need to find a way to figure out what the efficient ownership of players and lineups are. And let me let me tell you, uh, there's other than building sims and stuff, doing computer programming work. I don't know if there is a way to really do it. Other than instinctual, you you build 300 lineups and you see how things piece together and go. Yeah, this guy probably should be a little bit more on. How much more? I don't know. Um, I'm going to guess. That's what I do, right? Much a little bit more instinctual. Go, he's going to be 27% owned. But based on the salary distribution and the construction, and, uh, and I, this site is, has him a little bit higher projected or whatever, like maybe he should be 36% owned. Maybe that number is 34. Maybe it's 33. Maybe it's 40. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong completely. I don't know. But I'm just that that's that's what I that's my methodology, right? Of coming up with the efficient ownership. Because I don't have a way to, to simulate that type of thing. I mean, I probably could learn, it would take me God knows how long, and I don't know how how good it would be to begin with. So then I compare that to what I think the field's gonna do, which means the more under-owned a player is, the more lineups he shows up. And the more over-owned he is, the less lineups he shows up. That's it. End of story. Make lineups that are exploitative. And the difference between my lineups and Nerdy Tenor's lineups is that uh, my, my, my lineups uh, typically will have a higher expected value. His will still have a positive expected value, but mine may have a higher. But I also am more likely to have 50 I could have a lot of lineups that are negative EV. Right. If I'm off on the ownership projections, my lineups are then lose its proper leverage. A guy that I think is going to be overowned ends up being underowned. A guy that I think is vastly underowned ends up being efficiently owned. And I have like 60% of the guy. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize everyone was playing that I was off. So now my lineups gonna lose, lose that that leverage lever. Like I just gave up projection for didn't I didn't get anything for it. Right. So I'm liable on certain slates, on a, on a lot of slates, to have lineups that end up at, at negative expected value. Well, Nerdy Tenor is just like game theory optimal. And basically, you, you take a, he's taking a couple of percentage points off the, off the, off the pool of, of everyone's lineup when everyone is inefficient. So I will make more money with my methodology, but Nerdy Tenor will make money without having to care about like half the stuff that I care about. I think that's a better way of putting it. Do, 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 do. Let's see. Yeah, Daniel was answering that in the chat. 
Uh, longer episodes today. Devin's here, by the way. Everyone say hello to Devin in the chat, right? Uh, let's see. Joe's talking about his process. Daniel's talking about that. You, anyone that's listening on the podcast feed, just we'll go to YouTube and watch the replay of, uh, of, uh, of, of the YouTube chat. Uh, let's see. Okay. Okay. They're just talking amongst themselves. Okay. I didn't, I didn't miss anything. I did not miss anything. Uh, but give me those thumbs ups on your way out the door. I mean, we reviewed yesterday's slate. We reviewed, uh, you know, the, uh, to me, this is useful. Then going over today's slate, who knows who's going to play? Is who, Who's injured tonight? DeRozan, Morant, Jalen Smith. He would, yeah, the, the Pacers were so shorthanded yesterday. But if you want, if you want the scoop on uh, what's, and we have a 7.30, okay, it's, okay, it's 7.30 hawk tonight, 7.30 Eastern. That means we're, we're doing Grinders Live at 5.15. <laughs> Time to move all over the place. 4.45, 5.15, o'clock. You'll see the thumbnail on the YouTube channel. You'll know. It'll be around there. And the, the Dean and the guys, they'll, they'll talk about tonight's uh, five-game slate. And uh, crunch time for premium members. And I, li- I listen to crunch time. Uh, every, every slate that I play, I listen to crunch time because Andy's always on there. And uh, if this guy's in, that guy's in, you know, whatever, like, like the basketball stuff. Yeah, or like how fragile the projections are. That, that's more of the key. Because Andy's part of the projections team. So the projections, you know, I, I think are the best in the industry, right? And I, and, I, and I look at all the projections. So I think our projections team with Andy Means and Noto and Tuttle and Jamino and Allen and Bob and SPK, am I missing anyone? Best in the industry. So that's why I use the Roto-Grinders projections. It's not just because I work for Roto-Grinders, right? It's not because, you know, I, this is what I use. I use lineup HQ, I use the projections, right? The ownership numbers, they're good. They're better than nothing. But I, but I, I, it's one of those things where it's not like I don't trust uh, Tuttle and Jamino. It's just that I, I think my six and a half years of, with my style of play, I think I'm better at, at projecting ownership, right? So I, I will change some stuff. But if you're, if you're not like me, you can't do that. The numbers are perfectly fine. They're better, they're better than not having anything. So that's what I use. So yesterday... It was especially true. I, I leaned very heavily because I couldn't use my ownership-based approach as 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 much as I could, right? I, I had to kind of hack through that. Uh, I relied very heavily on the projections. That's it. I looked at the projections. I made lineups, and there you go. I made I I started making lineups a half an hour before lock, right? Made 150 of them and 48 thousand dollars in profit. Right. So all you have to do is press a button, right? That, that's what people are going to get out of this. Obviously, they're going to look over this video. They're going to scour. They're going to use a magnifying glass and look at all of my magic settings. And then they're going to just input those magic settings on every slate and act it like and just press the button. And obviously, you win that way, not realizing that all these settings and everything change every single day, right? Depending on the slide, depending on the types of lineups, depending on the hacks I need to do to get the lineups that I need, right? Sometimes you're screwing around with things. Just like, why am I, why is this happening? And why is that happening? And sometimes you're building 50 at a time. It's like, I'm still getting all of the, like, come on. I'll build 50 without this guy. And then I'll build 50 with that guy. And then, build 50, and then I'm starting to merge things together. And anyway, any way to get plus EV lines. 
So, uh, so we got Grinders Live later today. Crunch time for premium members. You can always join the Roto Grinders Discord, rotogrinders.com slash Discord. There are free channels there, and there's still there are people in the free chats, but we also have premium channels. Premium channels are cool if you're a premium member. I have my own channel, Blenders Game Theory, right? So if you have any questions about game theory and process and not about a specific slate and you want to talk about there, I answer all the questions. Anything from the YouTube chat, those types of questions, I answer in there. That's where you can find me. And we do Zoom coaching calls like uh, about once a week. The next one is uh, Sunday, Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. So if you want to be a part of it, you need to sign up for Roto Grinders Premium, right? I, the projections are worth it. We got MLB coming around, right? I could just use Lineup HQ in these numbers and that, that's, that's, that's all I need. But we got tons of content. We got expert surveys. We got rankings. We got, got uh, you know, uh, Andy Means' article of basketball. We got Cheese. Cheese will be back, right, Dave? He'll be back for, for uh, you know, Cheese's musings, uh, the million-dollar musings for, for MLB. And we got the grind down. We got uh, uh, one-stop shop for everything, for all the sports, if you want to have a combo premium package. So uh, so join me there. Join me there. Use, use just, just look at the projections. Like, I, I'm, I'm telling you. Like, people are like, oh, well, I get this, I get this. Like, dude. The projections at Roto Grinders are worth 10, maybe 50 times, 10 to 20 times, probably maybe 10 for per month. Like if you, if you told me that, that, that Roto Grinders was going to offer projections for all sports for $1,000 a month, and that's, that's all you got. You just got projections, ownership projections like that, and, and, and maybe Slate IQ, some type of sim type of, you know, top, top uh, boom bust, right? The smash scores or something like that. If you just told me that was a thousand dollars a month for all sports, I'd be, I'd be paying it. It's worth it to me, at least. Obviously, if you're, if you're playing in the dime time, it's made, it, it's not, you're never going to make enough money for it to be worth a thousand dollars a month. But if you're playing enough volume, right? I'm not talking, and look at me, I'm not playing $50,000 of volume, but that's how good that, that to me, 95% of the value of Roto Grinders is obviously lineup HQ tool. If you to build, you get you get an optimizer, you get a tool. I mean, that obviously in and of itself is worth. I mean, to to not have to rebuild a tool, I'd I'd pay I'd probably pay fifty bucks a month just for lineup HQ with no projections in, right? With like literally no numbers in, just so I have the tool. Okay, and then yeah, then now the projections a thousand bucks a month, right? That's what it's that's what it's worth. So when people look and it's like, oh, 40, 50 bucks a month and 99 or whatever for the, all the sports, I think it's a steal. I think it's a steal. So I always wanted to highlight that. I would, I use this and I would pay much more for it. So, so you get on board, join my channel, join the discord, click that thumbs up button, click the subscribe button, click the notification bell, click around, uh, and uh, yes, uh, I, no, programming note. I didn't say this in the beginning. Programming note, no show tomorrow. I got to go back to the dentist again, right? This dentist is only open Thursdays and Fridays and the office closes at two. So like this, when if you need a two hour dental appointment, essentially it means I can't do this show. So got to go back, got to get it, got to get another crown. Uh, made. And they make them in the office. So that's why that's why it takes so long. Uh, so, so no show tomorrow, but, uh, but I will be back Monday, right? We'll be back. We still got another week, week or so, week and a half, something, but not much basketball left. So, uh, so enjoy the chaos.
and I'll see you later. Answering your DFS questions, as I always do, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.